everyone, and welcome to a Sunday fun day edition of Bears on Tap. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Ron Luce, at Luce on Tap. And then I'm also joined in the top right by Quentin at Butkus on – I said at Butkus on Tap. Let's say Butkus Stats, my guy. Butkus on Tap would be quite a name. And then we got Joey uh, expected to pop in at some point here today. Uh, today we're going to break down the draft for what it is. We were live for the second day of the draft. We're able to break down three of the picks, but so, so much happened yesterday. The Bears ended up walking away yesterday with eight picks. They they did not have eight picks when we started the day yesterday, but they finished the day with eight picks, and they signed over 30 UDFAs. So before we get started, uh, let's just check in with the co-host, and then we'll get ready to to roll on this big, monstrous list of players that we've added to our team. Yeah, yeah, doing all right, man. Uh, you know, just trying to keep up with uh, with yesterday's. Obviously, we talked on on Friday, and it was a lot of fun. And we were like, yeah, you know, the Bears only got a couple picks tomorrow, no big deal. And then yeah. everybody saw the chaos that was with polls trading down. What three separate times? I believe it was. Yeah, um, it was like every time. And- Every time we were about to pick, oh no, we'll just punt. Yeah, literally. Yeah, <laughs> hey, we're just we're gonna punt on this pick. It's fine. And hey, but you know what? They they got a lot of value, I think, late. And obviously, we're gonna talk about that. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But uh, other than that, sir, doing well on this Sunday fun day edition of Bears on Tap. Yeah, Quinn, how about you? Yeah. yeah, doing good. Just trying to learn as much about these guys as I can. Um, you know, putting an article together on all of them and looking into their backgrounds and. One thing that's uh, pretty clear looking at these guys, aside from the obvious, which is athletic, all these guys are very athletic, is um, leadership. They're looking for leadership traits in all these guys, uh, more so than we've seen in recent years. Not that they didn't before. Yeah. Like It seems like every one of these guys or every other one of them is team captain or went through some hardship in their life, had to kind of become an adult at a young age, stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's become kind of evident that they're they're looking for that. Uh, I think Paul said before the draft resiliency and that that's something that they really targeted. Yeah, and it's like if Martellus Bennett showed up at practice tomorrow, he wouldn't be calling our team a bunch of bitches is basically what Quentin's saying because <laughs> we got some hardhead guys. I mean, I honestly, I like what they did yesterday. And, and we'll start with – with day two, because obviously, you know, we didn't do a podcast episode. We did the the live stream, which was a lot of fun. If you haven't checked that out, that's available on YouTube. That's available on our Twitter. And then uh, I don't know if we have that edited down into podcast form, but it's a lot more fun in the visual setting than it is to listen to how you normally listen to the podcast. But we'll start at the top. So first pick, Bears, they go cornerback. They go Kyler Gordon, Washington. I really like this pick. I, at, at the time, like going into the day, um, the odds-on favorite for them was receiver. Pretty much what everyone on Twitter was talking about was like uh, Christian Watson, Pickens, maybe Sky Moore, one of these guys. But the Packers traded up. They kind of shook up the, the the beginning of the second day, and then we just we just stuck to where we were at, and you know we got what I think is a very good talent in Kyler Gordon. So, what do you guys think about cornerback Kyler Gordon out of Washington? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of them. Uh, really quick, you mentioned the Packers shaking shit up. It felt like a good time to yes. drop Scott's in here. Go Bears, fuck the Packers. That's how you 
Yeah, you know, you got to love it. But uh, I like the pick. I, again, I don't think he was one of the guys that we as a group were even thinking about. I know when we were kind of talking amongst ourselves, Andrew Booth Jr., who ironically went to another NFC North team, uh, was kind of the kind of the corner that we were all thinking if they were going to go DB at that first pick. And, I mean, beat on, you won some money picking, you know, DB first pick on the <laughs> on a little a little sprinkle for you on Friday night. But I like the pick again. I mean, I think he he's a guy that didn't get a lot of attention because of who he played opposite of, right? McDuffie was the the bonafide first round corner of the two, you know, and Gordon kind of maybe forgot forgotten about a little bit in the kind of national media landscape. Um, but overall, I, I'm a fan of the pick. Again, it, two glaring weaknesses they addressed in that second round, and it started with Gordon there at number 39. So for you, speaking of uh, looking at Gordon and uh, – his teammate. Who was his teammate again? Was it? It was Trent McDuffie. McDuffie. Think, McDuffie. Uh, I wanted to say Booth, and I was like, "That's not right." Um, so, I don't remember exactly where he went, but he went on the first day. Like yeah, in the he went somewhere. to KC, I believe. Um, okay. Yes. But so looking at the cornerback stats in this class, Gordon was actually targeted less than uh, McDuffie was last year. Targeted less and allowed less yards per catch. Um, which is interesting to me because McDuffie was, you know, pretty widely considered the better prospect. So I'm going to dig into that a little more and see kind of what might've been going on there. But I mean, it seems like he might've been the guy who had the better 2021 season, um, but stats can be deceiving. So we'll see. I'm going to dig in a little more on that. Um, do y'all know this guy's nickname? I did not see Mr. Spotlight. I'm I'm a I'm a fan of the relative athletic score though too. I mean, yeah. just an absolute stud. So, do you know how he got that nickname, Mr. Spotlight? Mm-mm. Because at I believe it was eight years old at a national dance competition called the Spotlight Dance Competition, he won by doing the moonwalk, and he was That's awarded amazing. Mr. Spotlight. This guy's been. This guy's been dancing like ballet and all these other types of dances since he was like four years old. He started doing Kung Fu at like five years old. Oh, like, I mean, is his foot like his footwork is going to be his biggest strength. This guy's going to be on Dancing with the Stars dancing with the when star. he's in the Hall of Fame. Like. <laughs> Either that I mean, or uh, the mass Singer, right? Because they'd be dancing too on that show. Yeah. Reading up on him, he's like... Uh, probably one of the more most flexible defensive backs or players to ever come out in the draft. He's been like doing all all this uh, different flexibility drills and stuff since he was such a young age. He's like, his body control is outrageous and he, it makes him so versatile too. His athleticism is very unique and very exciting as a bears fan that we're going to see in the secondary. And I mean, honestly, to look at our roster for what it is, like this is a guy that's going to have a, a great opportunity to come in and be the number two corner right away. Like we are by no stretch, like a solid roster, especially in the defensive secondary. Kyler Gordon's going to have every opportunity to come in and start right away. Um, second pick, though, there's another pick that I think, like, honestly, was a great pick. Uh, it, it attacks a you know need that we've had for quite some time, honestly, Ever since we got rid of Adrian Amos, we've had this need because the safety position has been a bunch of rentals, one and done guys. They go after. Well, uh, it's because we didn't draft. We didn't draft another Penn State guy. Well, yes, <laughs> and, and, but we did not, and and we did with 
Uh, we went with Jaquan Brisker, safety out of Penn State. Um, and I think that was, I didn't want to say like 10 picks after uh, Kyler Jordan. Yeah. Kyler Gordon, nine picks after. So a good value pick. People had him going like at the beginning of day two, but that was like before day one and the chaos that ensued on day one. So one of the weirdest drafts from that standpoint to where it was like there really wasn't that high of a predictability factor. But I think similar to a few years ago when we got Jalen Johnson and Cole Komet, like you get two guys, especially on that defense, that we have so many question marks that can come in and start right away. So, Ron, I'll start with you. What uh, what were your thoughts on uh, the Jaquan Brisker pick here from Penn State? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit on Friday, too, for those that were able to join. And, and uh, you know, I first mentioned it when it was just Quentin and I uh, getting to chat a little bit, you know, when when on had to go take his stress piss. But, you know, I, I like the Brisker pick. I think it's, it's so valuable to have a guy that Richard Sherman, you know, publicly deemed as he's positionless. You know, he's the guy that can drop back in the middle of the field. He's the guy that can come down and cover a nickel in, in the slot. Hell, I bet you he could match up at least okay against tight ends, uh, especially some of the elite ones, your Kelsey's and your Kittles and those guys of the world. Uh, but he also can come in and fill in, fill in the run game in the box too, and that's huge. And that's something that, like you said, all these rental one-and-done safeties the Bears have had for years have never been guys that have been known for playing the run. They were all coverage guys, haha, Clinton Dix, uh, to Sean Gibson, you know, even Dion Bush to an extent. He was probably the most willing run tackler that they actually had in the safety position, other than maybe Eddie Jackson. So I love the pick. I think it's it was a pick that, you know, maybe kind of went under the radar initially when people kind of looked and were like, a safety, what? Don't they need a receiver? But then you really think about it and you're like, son of a bitch, that's probably one of the biggest needs on that defense, other than the corner that, that they needed opposite of Jalen. And they got both done in the second round. Yeah, and so Brisker is probably one of my favorite players, probably my favorite player that the Bears drafted. Um, Ron, if you could go over to the safety tab all the way over, I want to I want to go through some of his stats. Um, but I'm going to start off with just saying, personally, I um, I think looking at this draft, like you 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 should have made a decision on. Is Gordon your guy or is Brisker your guy at 36 there? And then look offense at 48 or trade down. Um, just because I think you needed you needed a little more for Justin Fields. Not that I'm upset with Gordon. I love the Brisker pick. I like the Gordon pick a lot. They both fill needs. Um, I just wish that you got Fields a little more help on the outside or on a line. Um, but what's done is done. Can't change it. So I'm a Dude, I'm going to be as happy as I can going forward because I like these guys a lot. Uh, Brisker, specifically, least targeted safety in this class. Only got targeted on 5% of his coverage snaps. Um, He played all over the place, too. 40% of his snaps in the box. 40% of his snaps playing deep. 20% of his snaps in the slot. I mean, he... It's one of the most versatile groupings of a safety in this class who wasn't named uh, Jalen Petrie or um, Dax Hill. So I like that a lot. I like the fact that he has a football IQ to move around like that, to jump around like that, the athleticism too, um, when he was targeted. Also the second best in the class at yards per target allowed. So when he was targeted, he wasn't giving up a whole lot either. And he was above average in missed tackles as well. I mean, this guy just—I think—I think they got a blue chip safety right here, and I'm—I'm I'm 
very happy with the uh, the value they got. I love that word there, Quentin, with the uh, blue chip. Yeah, blue chip. The word itself gets me pretty bricked up. I uh, I like that, but <laughs> I think uh, I watched a lot more Baylor. I mean, we all watch a lot of Big Ten football. It's called spade spade. I mean, Quentin, you might not watch as much because you're a Texas Tech guy, but I know me and yeah, Ron I see are, a lot of Big Twelve. Yeah, me and Ron <laughs> yeah, up here, in that part of the country. We see a lot of that Big Ten stuff, and uh, yeah, I saw quite a few games from Brisker this year. I saw he was big in the Auburn game too. The Auburn game early in the season. Ron, I know you probably watched that one, our, our, our resident Auburn Tiger. But <laughs> oh, so Actually, if I could – I forgot one thing I wanted to mention about Brisker. Go crazy. I love about his background. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that I love, but that is like – shows that resiliency yeah. they're looking for. His sophomore year of high school, his older brother, who he was very close with, was shot and killed. He – kind of fell off a cliff after that. His, he started skipping class. He, his grades started to plummet. He had to miss games his senior year of high school because he was just falling down the wrong path. He goes to junior college, uh, Lackawanna uh, Community College, same place Kevin White went, actually, which I just – no, no importance there. Just thought that was interesting. We're going um, to cut that. We're going to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, – Became the number one safety, JUCO safety in the country there. Had his choice of any school to go to. Went to Penn State because it's the school that he dreamed of playing of playing at. Became a captain there. Graduated. I mean, he hits all three of the resiliency things you look for. Did he graduate? Was he a captain? And did he have to go the JUCO route? Uh, which is just impressive. Yeah, I mean, to Penn State, it's not like they were a slouch. Like, they were a pretty competitive football team over the last few years. So, I, I like the oh, yeah. He had offers from Alabama. He had offers from everyone. He could have gone anywhere. Yeah, no, and after watching his tape, it's just like he is a thumper. He is someone that's going to come down and hit while Eddie Jackson sits back and plays center field. But our guy, Mr. Carson Strong Enthusiast, Joey Ricotta, has entered the chat. How are you, my friend? He's the best quarterback. He's the best quarterback in the draft, bro. Worst take of all time. Worst take of all time. <laughs> it was not, dude. It was not. Dude, I actually, I, I don't know. Like, obviously, his medicals are horrible, and uh, teams didn't want to risk that. So, I, I still will take that to my grave that I feel like his arm talent <laughs> is fucking legit. So, I, if he, hey, man, hopefully, uh, I'm not going to hope for his, like, downfall of Gardner Minshew or, <laughs> or uh, James Hurts, but. Hey, man, if he can stay healthy enough, maybe he can uh, stick as a backup there and then get some playing time in Philly. So that'd be cool to see. I don't, my bet didn't hit, though. But I hear you. Give us your quick strike thoughts on uh, on Jaquan Brisker as well as Kyler Gordon before we move on to Bayless Jones. Yeah, so I heard, uh, like, right when I was hopping on here, you talking about Eddie playing, like, more of a center field role. I, and that's what I want to see. Like, I want to see him put, make, make a playmaking – Play the, more of the playmaking style safety and then have Brisker, you know, the other play the other role. But like some other people feel like Jackson should be in the box and have him do the playmaking role because he's he's very good at that as well. I'm okay with either, but I feel like if you want to get the best out of Eddie Jackson, as we know, as we've seen over the years, he's at his best when he's like that, that free and just go get the ball type of safety. Like people, 
people talk about, we, we mentioned this on the live stream too, people talk about like his underperformance over the last few years. I think it's a bit of overblown, if I'm just being honest. I think we all can kind of agree with like when you watch a lot of times it was Tayshawn Gibson's fault, like Quentin mentioned on the last show. It's just it looks horrible on Eddie Jackson. I think his tackling actually last season wasn't too horrible. So if you are going to play him in the box, if he has a competent safety next to him doing the center field type role or whatever, um, I think that's definitely – you can definitely do that. But I, I love the Brisket pick. I'm just being honest. I mean, that's something we called uh, me and Quentin like right Yeah, no, as, as it happened, I remember. Yeah, as it happened, we said, I think that's the pick. And I love it, man. It's great value there. See, and I think uh, – We've all been guilty of yelling at the cloud that is Eddie Jackson not tackling, but I mean that's that's part of the full Bears experience. Like you wake up on Sunday every week and you're like, you know what, the 14 point underdogs today, but I think we're going to win a football game. We usually don't, but that's like that's the beautiful part about being a Bears fan and being a sports fan. But third pick, all right, this one saw a little bit of mixed emotions. Now you guys have had more time to simmer on it. I'll die on this hill just because of how fast he is. Like, just flat up 40 guy, uh, what was it, 4-3, 4-3-1 or something like that. Like, Valus Jones has the burners. He has, I don't remember the exact number, but a lot of yards, all purpose, whether it be kick return, punt return, uh, pass, you know, passes caught out of the backfield in the slot, wherever. He has, like, over 5,000 yards in his career between Tennessee and USC. That's a guy that knows what to do with the football. I know it was, from a draft point, kind of a stretch, but – I still think that this is a guy that can come in and contribute, especially given, you know, who the hell is going to play receiver for us anyways next year? It's like Byron Pringle just got arrested. Uh, Equinamia St. Brown's not great. Like, he he went to Notre Dame. He was great at Notre Dame. He never really did anything for the Packers. And, you know, until he does something at the NFL level, it's it's to be determined. And, you know, we're really just looking at an offense with Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, and David Montgomery. And then, God forbid, you know, we let Justin – if not, not we let – God forbid Justin Fields let lets himself out of the pocket to run the ball for a couple extra yards, which may happen, may not. But I think like they they maybe could have did a little bit more. But I do like the pick of Valus Jones just based off of the athletic ability alone. Yeah, I think the the athletic ability is I think what everybody is falling in love with, right? It's it's the idea that he is a four three run burner and. Yeah, I think the I think guys that have kick return ability are so undervalued in the essence of actually how they play football because those are the guys that when they have the ball in their hand, they have that vision, right? You have to have good vision to be a kick returner. You cannot be a kicker or a punt returner and not have good vision of the field and be able to see things that your average player can't see or can't, you know, can or can't see. Just run full speed into your wall. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like you can't have guys like that. So, you know, I, I, the Vilas Jones pick is growing on me. And I think it's going to take until seeing him physically on a football field to like truly give like a, hmm, okay. Or like, a, you know, there's more to be desired. But again, a guy that's super athletic, he's super fast. Again, this just, I keep seeing it and I don't want to say it because I'm not trying to get my hopes up or anybody's hopes up, but everybody keeps saying like, this is the type of guy that looks, feels he's lesser known. Everybody's screaming Tyreek Hill. And I'm not going to sit there and think, wow, he's the next Tyreek Hill, but he profiles as that kind of player. And if they use him properly and he develops properly, 
even if he's two thirds of what Tyreek Hill is, I'd be incredibly happy, especially with the value, you know, as, as a third round pick at number 71. Yeah. So, um, I've come around to this pick a little more. I'm, I'm still not thrilled about the value of where they got him, but you know, maybe he was higher up on every team's big board than we realized. Um, but so with that speed that he has, someone who I follow on Twitter a lot, uh, Brandon Robinson, I saw something that he saw. And he's a guy who is very intelligent about coverages in general. He's, he's been a coach, a DB coach uh, in Arena League, I believe. And um, so he knows routes pretty well and what receivers are doing on routes and how they trick, trick defensive backs or get that separation. And one of the things he, he mentioned was, when you got this type of speed, that 4-3 speed, you don't need a full route tree. What you need to be able to do is change up your tempo and work work routes off your vertical stem. So one thing I look at when I, when I watch the plays, or at least the highlights, I haven't gotten to see uh, much of play-to-play video on Velas Jones yet or Velas Jones yet, but – I have noticed uh, he runs his routes with pretty solid tempo. He understands how to change his speed to manipulate the defender to create that separation and find that leverage, which is something that is encouraging with him. Because when you have the four three speed, if you're like th- you think about Walter Payton with his uh, his stutter step, that's what I mean by tempo. That 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 little like. I'm slowed down, but now I'm back full speed again. And it, that, that's how you get guys going on bad angles. That's how you lull a guy into um, slowing down a little bit. And then he needs to hit that accelerator again. And your, your foot is on the gas pedal. You're telling them how fast they need to go. And that's something that I did like that. That is encouraging to me about Bayless Jones. Um, the, uh, the other aspect there, as far as uh, doing alterations off the vertical stems, and being able to run multiple routes off of it. I haven't gotten to see much film on it, but it's one thing I'm going to look into more because if he can do those two things, I mean, I, I trust the guy who said it. I'm, I, I become much more optimistic on this pick. Yeah. I'm kind of there with you guys. Like I'm, I'm getting, I'm coming around a little bit more like just exactly like you said, not like where they took him, but, and we don't know, we will never know exactly where he was on team's boards. And maybe that's why, Obviously, that's why they took him where they did because they felt like they couldn't get him later on. And they, he had a plan all along was trading back, trading back, trading back, and acquiring all these other picks, which we're going to get to with some of these other guys. But um, I, I love what you're saying about him. You know, those, those stutter step moves, we see that from guys a lot, that they play faster than even what they really are because of that. And his speed is legit. He has straight line speed, so that can definitely improve things there. I I just I look at this pick like when it happened and I I saw nothing more than like the Drake song, like Ryan Poles like he's just he's singing the song like she's in love with who I am back in high school like I don't know like where they took him that's just what I was thinking I'm like man why are we doing this here but hey I'm coming around on it I think he can be legit and he's, he's gonna add some value maybe in the special team game maybe that'll be another pick that we took later on the, the running back. Um, as well in the special team game, but you know he's he's got upside as a receiver too. He's not just a special teamer. That's not why they drafted him here as just a special teamer. So I'm gonna trust Ryan Poles here and let's see what he can do if he can develop. And I mean he showed some skill. It's not like he was just he wasn't worthy of 
of a selection at all. He was on people's boards. He was on people's radar. Not that spot. So maybe yeah. he can be that. And it's not like Poles had to show up with a uh, a McDonald's bag full of cash to get him to come to the Bears because that's usually what happens to get you to go to Tennessee. But I think like, all right, so I did realize I thought he was a little bit taller on the stream. So he's a he's probably about the same size and frame as Darnell Mooney. He's just about six feet tall, just about two hundred pounds, but. I feel like he plays bigger than his size, if I'm being honest. Like, after watching his film, like, I feel like he can go up and get those kind of 50-50 balls better than someone his height should be able to. And then, too, it's like anytime you have that type of speed, 4-3-1, I think, like, the, the perfect way that Quentin broke it down is, is, like, you don't have to run full route tree. Like, you can, you can technically run it deep and just break it off at different spots throughout the route, like he was saying, like, it's kind of like how if you look at Tyree Kill, like Tyree Kill just fucking toys with DBs. Like, does he ever really actually run a route? No, he's just toying with the defensive back to get him to make a mistake. And then, boop, he's open and he's the fastest person on the field. So it's like, that's what the Bears need to do. They need to work the two fastest people on the field into the open spaces and then let them take care of the rest. And Justin Fields, as we talked about on the stream on Friday, has the arm to take those deep shots down the field, and he's accurate enough to make it happen. So why not go and get a receiver uh, that can get, you know, some separation, get downfield, and hopefully, you know, I'm not I'm not going to put, like, a number on it, but let's say somewhere between 500 and 1,000 yards from Bayless Jones this year. Like, obviously, he's probably not going to get 1,000 as rookie, but let's at least get 500 out of him, you know? If he's pushing up above, like, 500, 600 yards, it's a very good sign for him in year two. Like, historically. Exactly. A rookie doing exactly. that is a very good sign. So the next pick, uh, they go – all right, so this is – that was day one. The first three picks was day one. That was what we thought we had. You know, we only had three picks that day. We knew it wasn't going to be chaotic. But this is the start of day two. So day two in total, they made eight selections. Um, do we know exactly how many times they traded? They traded like three or four times. I think it was three. Yeah, I think it was once before the day started and then twice during the draft, actually. Yeah, because I remember I would be like getting getting towards their picks and then it's just like, yeah, they're not picking anymore. So, like, yeah, I had, I had my whole pick template written out on WordPress, just ready to go. And it was like, oh, they traded. I had to go back and change it all. Just absolutely <laughs> terrible. So this next pick, uh, their next pick didn't come until the fifth round. So they were skipped the whole the whole fourth round. But they were able to get Southern Utah offensive tackle Braxton Jones. I don't know too much about this. Now, Southern Utah, that's FCS level, right? Okay. There was a lot of FCS. There was a lot of FCS guys that went in this weekend's draft, I think, honestly, closer uh, to a record uh, for FCS level guys. But, uh, Quentin, I'll kick this one to you because I think you wrote his article. Do you want to start off with uh, what you know about our guy Braxton Jones? Because I am not – the most knowledgeable on the call about. Yeah, sure. So um, one thing to touch on what you said about the FCS guys, I think that it's a blind spot for most draft analysts. I shouldn't say a blind spot, but like murky area where like it's hard to find guys that you don't know are being talked about in NFL circles unless you're in those NFL circles, you know, like you're only going to catch so many of them. So, and the NFL teams have, you know, entire scouting teams watching all the all these uh, FCS conferences and teams and 
looking for guys. So it's 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 an area where I think a lot of FCS guys get overlooked in the draft. Um, so on Braxton Jones specifically, I mean, one, he's made a fortune selling lifestyle supplements, and he wants to tell you how you can too. So that's hopefully <laughs> he just, helps he, he just needs a few mi- a few minutes of your time, just a couple <laughs> minutes, man. Uh, but, but athletic. Uh, high high relative athletic score at eight point four four. Stands six foot five, three hundred ten pounds, so a little light. Which you know, at this point in the draft, as you're as you're drafting guys, they're gonna tend to be a little light and need to need to put out some mass. Um, but he put up a good amount of bench press, twenty six reps, which is above average. But the thing that I really like about that is he's got thirty five and. Uh, what what three eighth inch arms, which is average is thirty three point nine inch arms. So he is well above average in length. This guy can project as a tackle, absolutely. Um, maybe you do kick him inside, but I think he can project as a tackle with length like that and athleticism. He's above average in three cone, above average at forty yard dash. So you know he has the athleticism and the length to play outside. And he's got good strength. When you're putting up 26, the longer your arms are, the harder it is to put up a lot of reps on bench because you're just doing more work than the guy with short arms. So the fact that he's above average in length and bench press means that this guy's got some good muscle on him. Um, and then, I mean, he, he's a development guy, absolutely. But, I mean, he can, de- he can develop in – enough in eight games he can develop enough in two years who knows where that where that curve is for him it's different for every guy um he's an angry run blocker once he gets his mitts on you you're not really going anywhere he he, he grabs on and rides down um and he, he can just dictate the uh the matchup there when he gets his hands on you and just an aggressive player in general um technique needs to be refined especially in pass pro. He's just, he's not there yet. So like I, like I already said, it comes differently for different guys. Some guys will pick it up faster than others. We'll see where he ends up. He plays tall, which is another reason I'm not sure he's going to transfer to the inside all that great because at six foot five and playing tall, his pad levels just going to tend to be high. And inside you want guys who are really getting leverage all the time. Um, And he just, he needs to, needs to get his hands better in pass pro. He uh, he waits in pass pro. He doesn't attack with his hands. He doesn't attack with his punch. He lets them come to him and just kind of gives him that bear hug, you know, which isn't really the, the form you want, isn't what you want to see, and can draw holding penalties. Um, numbers-wise, I mean, he I, I believe he was above average in pass pro and in uh, zone and gap blocking schemes, but – Considering his level of competition, it's kind of hard to draw a lot from it. Um, so I'll look a little deeper at that, how much above or below average he is there. But um, generally, I think they got a high upside guy who could eventually become a starter if he develops right. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I watch a lot of college football, but I can't you know, I can't say that I watched any Southern Utah games last year. So I don't have uh, the beat on scouting report on him. But from what I saw from his tape, I don't hate the pick and, I mean, dude, at the end of the day, offensive line, you can find them anywhere. Like, you could literally find offensive linemen anywhere. Um, and we need offensive linemen. We need the strength in numbers. And we need to just test people out. It's like, dude, 
there was literally no worse than we could be on the offensive line than we have been in the last few seasons. So I'm all there for that type of pick. Uh, Ron, we'll go to you and then Joey, you as well. And then we'll move on to uh, what I think is one of the most interesting picks, this next pick after this. Yeah, I think, you know, I'll keep it short and sweet. I think Quentin says it best, right? He's got the size. He's got things that you can't teach. Uh, it's a lot of the stuff that he needs to fix is, is coachable aspects of his game. So I think that's why he projects well to develop uh, as a tackle in the NFL, especially at his size. I mean, you can you can't teach six, five, you know, 300 pounds plus you beef that up with good muscle mass and, and he learns how to use his hands and all of a sudden you got a good, a good tackle. Right. And I agree. I think that's the biggest key is going to be his hands. Uh, you, you can teach the technique, the footwork can come in time just with the amount of work. Uh, but really that aggressive ability, especially when you got mitts like him and that, and that length, you know, you want to be able to, to jump a guy, right? traditional pass set everybody thinks oh you, you kick slide right you're dropping back you're waiting for the guy to come into you and then you're attacking there are instances with certain defensive ends especially in the nfl where they're just so quick you want to get your hands on them first so you want to kind of ploy that jump technique and it's a quick boom boom and if, with his length if he can really get quick and attack with those hands and become aggressive as that punch first guy as a tackle that's only going to bode well for him because then all he's got to do is lock out and just dance with the D end and, and just, he's going to make people miserable on the other side of the football. And that, that's an exciting thing. Again, if that technique develops. So I love that, that Quentin brought that up as well. As, as someone who's five foot eight, I would love to be taught how to grow to six foot five, kind of like a chia pet. That'd be a great learned <laughs> skill, but that, I guess it's not going to happen. Joey for you. Yeah. I'm kind of right there with you, man. I'm not going to be growing into six, five or whatever anytime soon. I'm that, that five, eight range. Um, as for this pick though, like I, I'm kind of in the same boat too. Like I, I can't sit here and pretend like I watched a ton of film on him, but what I did see, uh, looked like he really had a mean streak in him. Like kind of what you guys were saying when he does latch on to somebody, he will, he, he's got that in him to where he's going to put you on your butt or he's going to try to finish you every time. Um, and I, I like him in the run blocking game from what I've seen. Like he, he looks like he can really get moving and, you know, I don't know, like, I know you want better pass pro for a tackle, but like you guys said, I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head. He's got the the stuff that you can work with and be able to kind of mold him into that better pe pass blocker. So um, there's some analysts that I really trust that I've uh, heard from that they think he's one of the biggest sleepers in this draft from where he was selected for the Bears. So if that's the case, um, I'm all on board and I'm with this. Like it has the, the feel of uh, a Ryan Pace type of draft pick though, from the school, like the small school type of, and polls made some of those moves just a little bit earlier here uh, with the offensive linemen. Uh, but I, you know, I don't care. Like you said, it doesn't matter where they come from uh, if they're legit players and like they have the size and the tools to work with, take them. doesn't matter. I like it. One more thing on this guy. If, if he ends up playing early and Neil Hunter or Aiden Hutchinson or Preston Smith just eats his lunch a game, don't quit on him because of that. It's yeah. one game. If it's all season, sure, but one game, give the kid a chance. Oh, he's going to get eaten. Like, that's the thing with these these guys, too. Like, the offensive linemen, they will get beat. Like, and Ron, you know this because obviously playing the position, seeing guys that are so talented, 
they're susceptible to get beat by guys that are just as talented on the other side. Like we see it all the time. The speed, the moves are just incredible by some of these edge edge rushers. I mean, you will get beat, especially if you don't have that technique early on, um, and you you have you need a little bit more time. So I definitely don't give up on them. Yeah, I, I that's a great point, Quinn. I'm gonna be motherfucking them to next Tuesday, okay? I'll be the one who does. I'm just kidding. <laughs> First game, you're gonna be on this podcast. I'm gonna, shit. I'm gonna remember how everyone talked about Sam Mustafer or uh, Alex Bars when they missed a block. But this next pick, all right. So our first Maxion pick of the draft, uh, defensive lineman Dominique Robinson. So Dominique Robinson switched to the defensive line after I believe playing uh, quarterback at Miami of Ohio. Either quarterback I I or receiver, tight end. but I either quarter, quarterback or tight end. I don't know. One of those. One receiver. of the three. That's one of the three receiver mentions. But yeah, probably the one Quentin said. Not what I he said. Was. He was. He was a receiver. Confirmed Quentin. He was a receiver. He wasn't no D lineman. So you, you don't know, see that yeah, that yeah. So you know, uh, he 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 has some traits, whether it be athletic ability, whether it be his size, that you know maybe he couldn't catch the ball, or maybe he couldn't do much after the catch. But they realized that you got a quick push, you got a quick burst. And you can get after the quarterback and create havoc in the backfield. Obviously, as the resident Mac guy, I always love when we take a shot on some guys from the Mac. But uh, Miami of Ohio, I don't have his measurables. Do we have a draft profile for him or no? Yeah, we oh, do. Sweet. Let's pull that baby up then right now. It's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so converted, wi- converted wide receiver. Converted wide receiver. I don't know how you get a DN out of a wide receiver, but he has got to be uh, built in a lab type big if he can make that transition. He has relative yeah. athletic score, 9.74. Yeah, that'll play. I mean, he had to put on 30 pounds in the last however long he's been playing edge, you know? Yeah. I mean, what would you say it was like two years ago, something like that? Uh, two seasons, yeah. Yeah, so in two seasons, he's beefed up to 260. Like, he wasn't playing wide receiver at 240. You know, <laughs> like 220, I feel, is probably the tops he could have been. So that's 40 pounds. Yeah, I was um, going to say 240 at receiver would be illegal. Yeah. Um, this dude can jump out of the stadium, 41-inch vertical. <laughs> like, and that 4.19 shuttle, this is a guy who can bend that bend the corner too. Like, it's this guy is a boomer bust type type traits guy um, hasn't produced a ton. Um, I was looking through his stats, his pressure rate, his sack rate is nothing all that impressive, but you're betting on traits here, man. You're saying this guy is six foot five, two sixty, has a great agility testing and solid 40 time. And he's just explosive. You're, you're, you're betting you can coach this guy up. And I, I like it. Like, I think there's good value here. Um, Honestly, one of the notes on his on his uh, profile here is that he lacks ideal bend as a pass rusher, but his agility score says something different. So maybe that's something he needs to learn better. But when you're running a, a, a shuttle run like that, I mean, it's hard to believe that you can't. You, you're incapable of learning that bend. Um, yeah, he just doesn't have pass rush moves. He needs to learn some. <laughs> he needs to hang out with Uncle Bobby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and Quentin, just to build off what you said too, right? Like it really feels like his biggest weakness right now, and maybe this is why people aren't so keen on him, is you know, 
again, as a higher pick because he is so new to the position and he needs to learn some of that stuff. But you get him just being in the same room as guys like Travis Gibson and Robert Quinn. And I mean, Robert Quinn's an elite pass rusher in the NFL and yeah. nobody can tell me otherwise. But uh, you get him in the same room as those kind of guys and working with an NFL defensive line coach. Again, you can't teach athleticism. You can teach all the other stuff. And if he's able to bend like that and just needs to learn how to apply it in a game, that's only going to be, you know, it really feels like, and, and this is, I'm sure, something I'm going to repeat myself saying and will repeat as a whole too, but like a lot of these day three guys are all guys that you see the potential there, right? And like, I think it's something that this front office identified and said, we just got to work with these guys. We work with these guys properly and help them develop correctly. These are all guys that, sure, maybe they're not all going to be superstars, but as long as they're meaningful role players on a 53-man roster, that's all you're looking for on day three of the draft. So anything better than that is just the cherry on top. So I'm right there with you, Q. I mean, it's hard not to get excited about this guy's athleticism. If you can coach him up to be a true DN, who knows what his ceiling is ultimately at the end of the day. Yeah, and even um, to give you – to talk a little more about, like you said, him just the guys that are sticking on the roster, under that role section where it says special teams contributor, I only put that for guys who have special teams experience. So he's a guy who can play a role on special teams right away. Yeah, not afraid to get his hands dirty because, you know, as a, a low-level draft pick, you're not going to make a team unless you do play special teams. So I'm glad that he has that in his arsenal. Uh, this is another – Joey, go ahead and give us your thoughts, and then we'll move on to the next pick because we got another mauler. Yeah, just real quickly because you guys hit on just about everything. Um, yeah. His RAS score was crazy, obviously. I love that. Um, you know, the speed uh, rushing, like, it looks explosive. It looks like he can be real good with the speed rushing. Um, we'll see, obviously, how that translates. But I, I saw guys with, like, second, third, fourth-round grades for him. So the fact that we got him in the fifth, I, I freaking love that. And yeah. the fact that you can use him as a wide receiver in an emergency. <laughs> yeah, so, like, dude, we don't have any wide receivers, so maybe they just drafted him just in case. Like, Just just tell him to yeah. kind of cut the weight down and put and switch him to wide receiver again. <laughs> yeah, all right, because – all right, I'm going to – I'm going to be an asshole for a quick second. Leave it up to Ryan Poles to draft, like, 62 linemen when we have no receivers. Like, I understand you also need linemen, but to only see one wide receiver and then two wide receiver that we kind of went a little above and beyond to make happen is one of the things that I'll say I'm not a huge fan of in the draft. But this next pick, uh, offensive lineman Zachary Thomas. So if you look at – Zach Thomas's film. This dude's just a, a old school mauler, like someone that I personally think the Bears can not say that they're going to be able to put him in right away, but coming from San Diego State, that's a team that loves to absolutely run the football. They're going to run it like 50 plus times a game. And I'm not saying the Bears are going to run it 50 plus times a game, but I know he's going to, it's going to help out to have a guy like this in our run game with David Montgomery, with Khalil Herbert. And then, too, even we got another little new running back, too, that we'll get to here in a second. Yeah, I mean, again, I I, I think just quickly to, to share my thoughts, and I want to give the floor then to, to Q and, and his draft profile, but I, I kind of like the method that they went with all these linemen. Sure, you would have loved to have seen another receiver or two, but they're getting a lot of guys that are big, that are physical, and that are guys that have upside and potential, and Again, when you, we were talking about it on the live stream on Friday night, you know, when we were talking about Baltimore Ravens and their draft strategy, is everybody's like, wow, they hit a lot. And it's like, yeah, because they take a lot of swings. Like, 
I'm kind of okay with polls taking a lot of swings here because ideally at least one or two of these guys are going to be at worst depth offensive linemen that you can carry on your roster, hopefully. Right. So if that ends up being the case, great. And it, you know, you have to take sometimes a lot of swings in order to find those guys. So if that ends up being the case, I, I'm really all here for it. And I, I actually like the pick again, big dude. Um, I know Quentin's profile says it. I'll just share it, you know, uh, probably kicks inside. That's probably where he's better at in the long term. But again, Big dude, a lot of potential, and that's that's something you got to be excited about when it comes to an offensive lineman prospect. Q might be working oh. through some technical difficulties. Oh, yeah. no. We uh sorry, I I like this move a lot too. Like you said, we, we can always use some more guards, like if that's where he has to be. And I think he kind of looks like that's what he's best at. I mean, I haven't, like, watched a ton of him. I watched games, but not a lot of, like, actual just individual film on Thomas here. Um, but from what it sounds like, he could be pretty nasty in the run game, uh, take some smart angles, too, in the uh, run blocking game from what it sounds like. So I – and I'm looking at this profile here from Quentin. I don't want to take away all of his – you know, I know he wants to touch on it more, but uh, – He's got some good stuff on here. Broad frame, obviously, with room to add mass, um, athletic in space. You know, so yeah, he, he ran a four nine six. And, yeah, uh, dude, that's his some... ten yard his ten yard split was fucking one point six five. So he has a really really quick burst. Yeah, that's some that's some wheels for uh for a big boy. Like, yeah. you don't you don't get that kind of quick burst from most of these guys. If you can get that quick penetration, like, I can almost even game. see him as like just like a really good pulling guard at the next oh, level. Yeah. Go ahead, Quinn. Yeah, so on Zach Thomas, I mean, it's another traits guy. I mean, I I, I liked this guy a lot coming into the draft. Um, he is Cameron Thomas, the edge rusher in this class. He's his brother. Uh, they played together at San Diego State, but he actually refuses to speak to Cameron until Cameron gives him back his lucky game day socks. So <laughs> stress relationship there, a bit of a red flag. Um, Zach Thomas is team captain. Good, good player, um, bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, excellent athleticism here. Excellent agility, um, but not excellent arm length, which could point to a move inside the guard. He has he has the athletic traits to play in his own base scheme, like the Bears are going to run from the inside. Um, he has a big frame with room to add more mass, too. He's a little underweight, at only 6'5", 308, so he has some room to add. Um, but good pad level, comes off the snap low and quickly, um, good at getting leverage. And he has good feet that allow him to mirror. And he's... He's a pretty aggressive player. I mean, this is a guy who likes to finish, um, but he needs to add more power. He's not he's not going to kill a lot of guys run blocking, uh, d- despite his aggression that he plays with. Um, so developmental guy, I like the pick. I think it's good value. I think he got an athlete here, high character guy. I mean, if you're a captain, you're just kind of automatically high character in my book. I think he's a guy who got overlooked a lot in the pre-draft process because his brother was a second round prospect on the same team. I think, I think he kind of got overlooked. 
and you always want a guy with a chip on his shoulder, especially on the line where it's like, you know, you know, they don't have to catch the ball, throw the ball or run with the ball. They just have to, you know, wake up in the morning, be a mean son of a bitch and just hit the person in front of them until the whistle blows. So I can respect that. Uh, this next pick, Baylor running back, another return man, a guy who uh, I want to say, I think he has three return to, for touchdowns. Uh, Tristan Edmer did at Baylor, they said. But someone like someone who who may not have the best speed, but is very shifty in space can make you miss in the second level and in open space. And I think someone that at the very least can be used in situations uh, on the offensive side of the ball, third downs, you know, short yardage situations. Um, and then two, obviously, dude, throw it. At the very worst, if nothing else happens for Valus Jones and Tristan Ebner, just put them both back there to return kicks. So that's not a bad idea. Uh, why not? Right, Trist- like- Tristan Ebner. This dude is fun. Like he is a joystick. He um, like we we Tariq Cohen's gone. They got a guy who can replicate what Tariq Cohen did. I think. Um, he was one of the best backs in the country last year in yards per catch. He averaged 12 yards a catch, which is ludicrous for a running back. He was a part-time player, but, I mean, if he if he can up his pass protection and kind of figure that out, because it's not something he really did a lot at Baylor, was pass protection. And at this point in the draft, you're not going to find many running backs who are all that productive with the ball in their hands and good pass protectors. It's something you tend to need. Like we saw with Khalil Herbert last year. Khalil Herbert didn't really know pass pro, um, but he came in and could do stuff with the balls with the ball in his hands. Um, I, I like this pick. I think it's a very exciting pick. I think this guy, I mean, return ability, kick return, pump return. He's a good route runner out of the backfield. And honestly, I mean, he didn't grade out well as a runner in zone or gap schemes. Um, so he seemed like much more of just a receiving back, but I think he put this guy in a wide zone and that might change like that a wide zone. A wide zone scheme is ideal for guys who are, have that returner ability because you're saying the whole line is going this way, one way or another. They're basically blocking like a return in front of you and you're ten, you're five, 10 yards behind them. And you're getting to use that returner vision to see the field. Like, I, I, he can be a home run hitter. And yeah, I, think, I think it's also worth noting, too, that he was on Baylor when, you know, Baylor wasn't so hot. And I know you won't, um, you know, acknowledge that they won the Big 12 this last year, Quentin, but he, no. he did help take – he was a part of the teams that helped take Baylor back to where they need to be in college football, which has to count for something in my book. Yeah, 100%. And, and Quentin, just quickly build off of your – uh, you know, talk about wide zone, right? A lot of people don't understand, you know, wide zone versus inside zone. Inside zone, it you know, for the offense alignment, it's one, two steps, and you're you're finding a man, right? You're you're in your zone, but you're finding that guy there, and it's quick, it's a fast hitter, right? Your gap scheme, your traditional, you know, everybody loves HB dive and Madden. That that's your gap scheme blocking. But the wide zone, like you said, is perfect for guys that have that shifty ability and see the field well because you effectively as the running back in a wide zone are setting up your blocks. You are purposely dividing your movement to say, hey, I want to set up that linebacker over there 
to have to deal with my guard right here. So I'm going to, I'm going to let him think I'm coming here and then I'm going to shoot out. And when that guy tries to make the adjustment, boom, he's running into one of my five linemen in front of me. And I think again, like you said, Abner, maybe we see Velas Jones or Velas Jones get used a lot as kind of that gadget in the run game sometimes too, where these guys can use that athletic ability and that vision as a return man to help set up some of these blocks. And like you said, Quentin just really can hit that home run here and there. I love that we got some like offensive line specialists on this show. I just ought to say that. I love the way you break that down, Ron. Like that just sounds incredible. And like, you know, something that's worth noting too, he didn't really get a ton of mileage. He was kind of the super senior, uh, whatever you want to call him. But like, he didn't really get a ton of mileage in the, the running game until this last senior season. Cause he had two senior seasons, whatever. Uh, so I think like there's room for improvement there too, just as a running back, like even maybe inside as well. Like maybe, you know, you want him to get him out in space a little bit more, but I think that there is some room there for him to grow. And he still did pretty decent as far as like yards per carry goes and how much of that was on the line and how much of that was on him. Who knows? Like, uh, but I, I do think that there's potential there. And like in the receiving game, he was getting work in the receiving game basically since he was a freshman. So He's yeah. very solidified as a receiving back, and I, I love it. Like you said, you know, it could be a, a Tariq Cohen replacement right here that can play special teams, can play in the receiving game, maybe he improves a little bit in the, the the pass blocking role. But if not, you can just kind of split him out in that slot and, you know, use him here and there as a, a running back, like just for handoffs or pitches or whatever, and uh, see what we got with this kid because he can make some guys miss and, it was evident when you watch him play. And I think, too, like with a running back like this, where it's like you know he's going to be more situational, it's like this dude hasn't even had to get an oil change yet. He's played so little at Baylor. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. he's, got, he's got fresh legs underneath him. Uh, I like the pick. I like his athletic ability. But next pick, uh, back up front, big uglies, center, Doug Kramer, hometown kid from Illinois. One thing I want to point out um, – just this draft alone, I mean, you saw so many guys go to their hometown teams, saw so many guys go to, to play with their brother or their cousin or their – not their father because it's not baseball because that's just not possible in football, but like the Griffies and stuff and the Bonds is, but brothers, cousins, all sorts of stuff. And then guys like, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, Kenny Pickett going to their hometown teams. We get another one in center, uh, Mark Kramer from Illinois. Or Doug Kramer. I said Mark Kramer. No, I said Mark. Doug Kramer from Illinois. And I want you guys to know, too, um, the Bears, they put out quite a cool post. This is what I've just been using for our draft picks. Like, I, I retweeted it earlier, and it's literally just it's literally just the SpongeBob list. So I'm like, I think it's got all the picks right there, and it's like – it's better than keeping up like a huge graphic. SpongeBob wouldn't lie to you. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, I know, I know, we're gonna have the draft profile for most of these guys, anyways. But uh, Doug Kramer, center, Illinois. Don't hate the pick. Don't know too much about him, but uh, hometown kid. So you know, how can you go wrong by drafting a guy uh, that that went to Illinois, similar to Dick Butkus or a guy Butkus stats down there. Uh, I don't think he has a yeah. statue like Butkus does at Illinois, but. No, not quite. Nonetheless, nonetheless, did play football at Illinois. Yeah, this guy's a good football player. I mean, he's he's undersized. He doesn't have good length. Um, honestly, I don't know what this means for Sam Mustafer's 
roster spot because he is very similar physically to Sam Mustafer. Um, similar length, similar size. He's a center only position, really. I mean, kind of like Mustafer. I don't think Mustafer can really kick out to guard uh, just because of those size limitations and length limitations. Um, but he's just a football player, man. High IQ, plays with grit. Um, he actually does a really good job, despite his lack of size, at getting leverage quickly off the snap. He the, the ball's out, and he's already in his steps and into the guy. Um, we'll see how that translates to the next level as guys get faster. Guys are you know more ready for his quickness and can match that with their own better than you see at the college level. Um, so there, there's a big question mark there. This guy's athletic enough to to play a role if he can get past those size and length limitations. Um, and researching him yesterday, I had to make this draft profile yesterday after they drafted him because I actually didn't have one for him. And found out he's never left the state of Illinois in his life. His family used to vacation to Peoria. I love that. That's absolutely hysterical. <laughs> Dude, when I brought that up on the side here to have this graphic ready, like that was the first thing I read and I almost lost it. Just I mean, episode. dude, Peoria is one of the premier locations in this state. For those of you yeah, that There's some great there, corn out that way. Great yeah. corn. Yeah, Peoria is fun. There's some fun stuff to do. In you battle of the corn anywhere in this state. It's like when uh, they used to have camp down in Bourbon A. It's like, Jesus Christ, you feel like you're just driving to the end of the earth. <laughs> more or less more or less no but q just just really quick I, I love that everything you said about kramer right and his quickness as a center and uh, dare i say that reminds me of another center that has made his his presence well felt in the nfl who was deemed undersized and maybe a little too small in, in terms of arms but was wickedly athletic and that's and that's kelsey Right. Like that's that's immediately what I think of when I hear undersized center that's freakishly athletic. And obviously, I'm not going to say Doug Kramer's going to be the next Jason Kelsey, but you've seen these guys that are centers that are maybe, quote unquote, a little smaller, be able to use their athleticism to still be incredible offensive linemen, uh, assuming they can you know get in the weight room and they can work on some of that technique. So that's just what I wanted to share is I think that's where they see the upside. Right. Because, again, that quickness is great. You don't have to try and teach that. It's just, hey, let's get you in the weight room. Let's let's add some meaningful mass here. And and maybe, you know, he is a guy that can contribute in some kind of role at the NFL level for years to come. To butt in with one more thing on the Kelsey front, because Olin Krutz was where I thought you were going. Because Olin Krutz is a little undersized as well coming out. But I think to be a guy like that who succeeds in the NFL at center, you just got to have a bit of a screw loose. You got to be a little, be a little, little crazy. Yeah. You are yeah, like straight up, you, you, you got to have a little bit of that edge and that's something that I don't really think Mustafer has a lot of. And maybe he does, and I just haven't seen it. But that's something that I'm hopeful that Kramer might be able to provide a little more if he's going to stick around on the roster is having that edge to him. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, anytime – Not to hate be done. Anytime, <laughs> anytime you get to hate on B-Don's guys and, and make the guys so, from Illinois extremely better. smart. I wish he had better life. Yeah. I don't know. I just, he made uh, some bonehead decisions. This I last want, year, I want well. what's best for the Bears, and uh, as much as I love me some Sam Mustafer, they've given him a lot of opportunity. So if it doesn't work out, it's it is. Hey, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a, a nice thing to say. I don't think he has a screw loose. Yeah, no, Sam Mustafer. <laughs> Sam Mustafer is a real date your daughter type. Like you can bring yeah. Sam Mustafer home. 
if you were my daughter. But um, yeah, I don't have kids, so and I don't think I'm going to have kids for a very long time, unfortunately. Fortunately, actually, but um, who the hell? All right, I don't know how the heck to say this, so I'm gonna need some some help. Is Joey, it, do you have any thoughts on Mr. Kramer here before beat on races to the next pick? No, no, yeah. you're, you guys are good because honestly, like, this is one of the guys where I just didn't pay too much attention to, but I was told by someone who watched his film, like someone I'm pretty tight with, they did mention that he has some balance issues. Like they said that the balance issues, the short area quickness, you guys already hit on those, uh, yeah. the short area quickness and the, the balance issues really for for yeah. Kramer and I was thinking like when B-Down brought him up first when you said Mark Kramer I thought you were going to say Eric Kramer Eric so I'm Kramer, like bro. He, if we talking about Buckus with the statue we we need like <laughs> Eric Kramer didn't get his statue Dude. so maybe maybe he can get his statue here that was like the quarterback that was our quarterback when I like first remember being of conscience like watching the Chicago Bears and not great but uh, hey, he was better than than some. Like he was one of the more decent, terrible yeah, quarterbacks. He was, still but... owns still owns the record for most passing yards in a season by a Chicago Bears quarterback, mind you. Which is something you don't want to own as a <laughs> well record. forever yeah. own the record for most passing yards in a sixteen game season in a Chicago Bears jersey. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Very yeah, true. true. Is that shit's gonna get blown out the water by our our young prince Justin Fields eventually? Not what didn't happen last year, but um, this is a name right here that I'm probably going to get wrong, but I'm going to try it. Is it Jatir or Jatire Carter? Let's see what we got. Where's the pronunciation? I was looking for it. Let's see what's yeah, yeah, I, 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 I guess it wasn't there for him. <laughs> all the pronunciations came from Dame Blue Brugler's draft guide, and oh, I guess there, there might not have been one there. <laughs> he doesn't know either. Yeah, well, uh, let's, I can let's, jump um, in on him now. Should we, should we call him? He got his cell phone number right there. See how to pronounce his name? <laughs> yeah, so his his cell phone number is uh, 8675309, which has gotten oh extremely annoying. 8675309. Um, so I believe he played offensive tackle, but he's 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 going to be a guard. Um Base size, length, his traits. He's a, he's a guard prospect. Um, strong frame, uh, tough player. Good enough length. I mean, a little shorter there, but just slightly below average. So generally average. And strong hands. Like he latches on and he takes you for a ride. Um, and good hands too. He, or he's shown shades of good hands, good hand location, good ability, get them in there, yeah, be the first to strike, but not consistent with that. So it's a trait that you you see and hope you can build on. Um, not the most expo- explosive player, though. Pad height has been an issue for him. And just not so one of the few picks that we saw from the Bears of a guy who's not an exceptional athlete. He's just generally average all around as an athlete, which can be fine. You know, I mean, that, that doesn't mean that he can't, he can't make a name for himself in the league as a starting player, but it just doesn't fit the trend of what they, what the other guys that they picked are. So um, I'm curious to see what kind of role they have him in going for the next few years. And if they, you know, find him as develop a developable guy, just based on the fact that he doesn't really match the other picks. And it kind of it kind of reminds me of when they went a few years back and they got on uh, what was that Hambright and, and and Pig and they got Ham, yeah, and, Ham pig. and Pig yeah 
But uh, I mean, these are the these are just like the picks that you need to fill roster spots. Like we talked about this before we even started. Like you need to just keep adding guys. And I mean, yeah, he'll have his opportunity to make the roster. I'm not saying this dude's gonna be like the next uh, Hall of Fame lineman, but we'll give him his opportunity. Ronnie boy. Yeah, and sometimes opportunity is all you need. Again, I, I like that most of these guys seem to profile well as guys that they at least identify, especially some of the earlier picks for offensive line that identify well as kind of that zone run scheme that they're probably going to run with Getsy there. Um, I think that's encouraging, right? They, they brought in guys that know how to, to have that skill set that favors that and can develop into something. Again, I don't hate throwing darts at a dartboard and seeing which ones stick. And I, I think this is that kind of pick here. Um, I will say, I think the only thing I've enjoyed more about this, uh, uh, the discussion about Jatire Carter uh, than us trying to pronounce his name is watching Joey try to uh, get the dog away from the microphone. Uh, <laughs> the other side. <laughs> no, we didn't see him, but I could hear him in the background. Oh my uh, God. He's like puffing like, and puffing over the mic. I'm like, was, I tried to mute it. Though, enjoyable. But... It was a good, it was a good <laughs> giggle as we were uh, talking to football. Yeah. We are a very, football. a very pro dog podcast. Like yeah. my dog sitting right in front of me at first. I thought it was, Quentin's dog butt kiss that was making all that noise, but uh, apparently <laughs> that's my mom's dog, and he's just like, if you don't give him attention in like fifteen minutes or so, he'll come and bother you. And it's already been like almost. I an was hour like, so. Joey's got the dog from the sandlot sitting on his lap, just waiting for us, <laughs> waiting for our, waiting to get his take off Jatir Carter. Yeah. Uh, all right, the so here's beast. a here's the next pick. Now that now that we all got to get a little bit in here on uh, on Mr. Carter. Uh, Elijah Hicks, and that's a safety from Cal, I believe, uh, California, California Bears. Uh, did you guys see his video? See his video yeah. uh, after finding out. Dude, he started video, doing like, through a brick yeah, wall. He like started. <laughs> he like started doing the like clap push-ups and like that dude was amped. That dude's someone that like he may not even be good at football, but that's someone that you want in the lock. Like, no, I'm saying, I'm not saying. Like, I haven't even watched his tape. You want those yeah. vibes and that energy in your locker room regardless. And, I mean, he he ended up getting picked, so it's not like he was a UDFA or anything, which I think we might have to just take a whole episode to get to the UDFAs. There's 37 of them, and, you know, we're getting through 11 guys right now, and the last guy just kicks football, so that won't take too long. But if we tried to go through 37 prospects, that might take longer than Friday, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and on just quickly to add before we dive into the Hicks pick here, did you see his interview with, I'm assuming, the Chicago Bears social media team? Uh-uh. They said that his, I believe it was his girlfriend, went out and bought a hat for each team, so they had one ready for him if he got drafted. And I've always wondered how that went. Well, I, so I think it, it depends. Worked, I think it depends. I think if you're like a higher draft pick, the NFL just provides you a hat of every oh, team. Okay. And then make the actual later, people that are going to be, you know, poor yeah, pay for yeah. their hats. Well, yeah. My mom was First asking me that. Yeah. Well, so I know in his case, he said, he like he said in the interview, he said, yeah, my girlfriend went out and bought a, a hat for every team. So they left like the tags on so they could return the ones that oh, they didn't need yeah, anywhere. Let's go. Uh, naturally, as you should. Yeah, but as you should. Uh, they said that he even said he was like, Honestly, like we had the visit with Chicago and loved it. And like we had the Bears hat as the only one in front of the TV and kind of hopes that he got taken by Chicago. So I think that's worth noting too is like he wanted to be a bear. And that's always Dude. cool. As like we as we like that's to say, awesome. Sports, Fan favorite. Like, Fan it's favorite. cool and tough. It's cool and tough when you want to be a Chicago bear. Yeah, it's like, dude, I, I feel can't like, name uh, too many other people in this year's draft that said, Hey, I want to be a Chicago Bear. So he's ours. I feel like whoever the Bears punter is becomes the Bears' favorite, pun- like Bears fans' favorite punter, and they think he's like indispensable. So he's going to become a fan favorite if he's here. 
if he's the guy. <laughs> like, I didn't love Pat O'Donnell, but everyone else seems to think he's amazing. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> Pat O'Donnell can go fuck himself now, though. It's true, it's Pat. Yeah, now. like every time I'd say something about Pat O'Donnell on social media, I get like ten replies just like hating on me for it. So, like, I was I, gonna say, I, I don't know what Pat O'Donnell did to make everyone love him, but everyone loved him so much. I mean, bro, it's the hair. He's a slick back hair guy. He went. He's probably like the best player to come out of the U in the last ten years. <laughs> there you go. God, that, isn't that That's like such just such an embarrassment? That's that such like... a shot you just took. <laughs> well, dude, you saw. Yeah. Uh, there was like five total players from the U, Miami, and Florida State that came out in total this year. They got – I mean, I don't know if you guys saw all the numbers, but, Ron, I know you'll like this as a small school guy. Uh, between HBCUs, FCS, all these different small schools, this was one of the most uh, successful years for those smaller schools as opposed to just like, yo, USC and Alabama. I mean, George, don't get me wrong. Georgia had 15 people. Georgia had 15 people. Notre Dame only had two. We still hold the record for the most people drafted all time. It's humble brag about that, despite the fact that we just got dragged across the floor. But, like, this was as evenly distributed talent-wise of a draft, whether it was Pac-12, Big 12, SEC, ACC. The Mountain West had a very good draft. I saw a lot of MAC guys drafted. I just you know thought what, it, You know what school didn't have a good draft beat on? Who? The University of Texas did not have a single player taken in the first draft. Yes. Texas but is not a their, state. They got Texas their highest GPA at like, two point, at like 2.87. They got their highest all-time GPA as a school uh, for football at 2.87. Yeah. I I mean, anytime you lose to Kansas in football, right, you probably – like any scout that was at that game is <laughs> probably a, like need a real the home. Yeah, he's here. calling back yeah. to office. We ain't coming back to the next game, bro. I mean, I know McConaughey's here and he's the vibes guy, but nah, we're not coming back. Nah, man, that's what they get for stealing Chris Beard away from Texas Tech. That's all I have to say oh about that. Oh, my God, yeah. All right, so here, let's uh... – Quinn's, Quinn's got some personal interest invested in that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, hey, I, 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 uh... I live three blocks from their stadium. I want to saw those horns off. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. From Tech. Dude, and I mean, Tech, honestly, they – I think they're a really good basketball program. Horns they're down. not. They're not far Horns off down. on football. I mean, when you take nah. a, you lose they got your swept by Texas Tech. Yeah, nah. you lose your quarterback and Patrick Mahomes, and then you lose your your coach and Cliff Kingsbury, and you gotta you know kind of figure some stuff out. But I don't know who they got down there right now. I did get to watch a little bit of their their games, and they always seem to be competitive. It's not like they were always getting blown. Oh, uh, we've been terrible at football the last three years. Yeah, terrible. Well, but we got a new coach now. It could be worse, right? I didn't like the guy that was there. Well, that's the thing but, with college. You got to like the coach. But um, do we have, Ron, do we have a uh, a visual for, for Legix? We don't. We don't for Elijah or uh, Gil. Can can you, instead of throwing up the visual, we'll talk through it. Can you find the video of him finding out he became a Chicago player? Because I think that that can kill some. While you're doing it, I can talk a little bit about it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I I looked up right before the show. uh, Steelers Depot had a good profile on him. Um, Five-year starter at Cal, which is something. I mean, that's impressive. Start from your freshman year on five years because he had the extra year eligibility from COVID. Um, 22 years old, so he must have showed up on campus early, like at 17 years old. Uh, energetic, 
playmaker in college, versatile enough to play some nickel corner, um, has very good read and react ability, so processes the game well. He's a good tackler, high character guy, um, with special teams experience, and he's known for being a film rat. So, I mean, this is a guy, this is a guy you bet on at the end of a roster, it sounds like to me. Um, his downside stuff was he had a Jones fracture in his foot at the Shrine Bowl this year. So I don't know if he's ready to start playing or not. Um, I'm not sure what the status on that is. I'm sure as I read into it more, I'll find out. Um, takes bad angles to the football at times. Um, and doesn't always rally back to the football, which was something that was surprising to me because all his other traits say he's a, he's a high motor, high effort guy. But him not rallying to the football was a surprise. Um, but the next one kind of put that into context. His energy kind of wanes towards the end of the game. I think he said it sounds to me like he's such a high energy guy that he just runs out of gas towards the end of the game. Um, which, if he's a special teamer and a situational guy, you can live with that. He's going to go 120 miles an hour for 20 plays a game, and that's what he's going to play. You know, I mean, that makes sense to me. And then inconsistency was the one other knock on him. But again, that kind of falls under the running out of gas thing, I think. I'm like, at the very worst, we just found our new Josh Bellamy minus the rap career in PPP fraud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, PPP fraud. That would be a good fun Alleg- fact. Yeah, a legend. A legend. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, fun fact. Uh, it did, Ron, did you grab the video from the Bears social yet? Uh, the one, oh, that one. I will find that one. Um, I thought you wanted his like clap oh, push up yeah. one. I don't know. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, if, if that's the one that you got, if you got the clap push up, no, 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 no. I was, I was struggling to find that one, but I was gonna is, say, fun fact got, about him, he can do clap push ups behind his back, like in, in clips, not just one at a time. Like he was just letting them fly. Yeah, here we go. I got it up for you. I loved there. his family's reaction, it was just like, we're used to this. All right, yeah. Let everyone, everyone, go. He does mute. it like after dinner, like on a normal basis. <laughs> Joey, I was gonna say, kill the dog noise. <laughs> Terrible. Is the sound only coming through on your headphones, Ron? Oh, it must be only coming through on my headphones. Yeah, it's coming through on my headphones. I don't know if we're going to get this to work right yeah. now. But, but like I said, go watch it. Yeah, go watch the video. We'll retweet it from the podcast. Yeah, we'll retweet yeah. it. It is uh, honestly one of the – I love watching, like, as a fan of football, that's one of my favorite parts about the draft. I know we all have our colleges that we root for and our guys that we root for that we want to see get drafted. But, I mean, just seeing how much it means to these guys – when they hear their name called, whether it's, you know, whether they sign as a UDFA or even if they're Brock Purdy and they're Mr. Irrelevant, this is the culmination of a life's work, worth of work. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm excited to see um, what this year's draft class is going to bring to the table. We do have one more pick uh, on top of Elijah Hicks, and that is Trenton Gill, uh, punter. We needed a punter. Why not? Why not in the seventh round? I mean, why not? You don't you don't want to go out there and pay some guy big money. Why don't you give a guy from college his first opportunity to go out there and punt for your team? It worked out for Pat O'Donnell. Maybe it'll work out for Trenton Gill. Yeah, yeah I don't have much to say on Trenton Gill. I didn't I didn't run a lot of analysis on punters. Yeah, um, <laughs> the only thing the I, only I tried thing. to. Uh, 
I, I tagged uh, Punalytics in a response to our article and was like, what can you tell us about them? And they ghosted me. So shout out to Punalytics. Thanks for the yeah. nice response nope. there. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna no shout out. I was gonna say shout out to bleep, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, anytime that you can, you can just take what they did in this draft and just address so many open voids. You have voids on the offensive line. You have voids. At, you have voids at the receiver position and still do. But you took and, and filled one of them, and then they signed. Uh, I, I think a, a good quality receiver out of Southern Illinois. Uh, and Lando Lanier, I don't know exactly what his first name is, but I know it's Lando something. Kind of like Lando Calrissian from Star Wars. That's what we can expect from him. But uh, just a couple of the notable UDFAs. They signed uh, Ohio State running back Master Teague. They signed Ohio running back Demontre Tuggle. Uh, Ball State quarterback Drew Plitt. Who was the guy that they signed from The Rock, from Slippery Rock? Like They signed like the all-time leading receiver from Slippery Rock. I don't know exactly what his name was, but... They, in total, signed over 30 UDFAs. Um, so it'll be a, be a very weird-looking roster come day one because I think, like, yo, maybe seven, there's 30, 35 guys. Maybe seven of those guys have a realistic chance at making hey. the roster given where we're at. Who – what draft picks or, like, undrafted – any rookie embodies the hits principle more than a UDFA? Exactly. Yeah. So, so. Like they're there to win a job. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. where I'm at. That's why I feel like a guy like Jack Sanborn, who is a local product too. Literally I think Jack Sanborn grew up in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. one that I like, didn't say. Jack Sanborn. Yeah. Jack Sanborn, I think, is one that you sit here and go like, because again, a lot of these guys too that I've seen on their list that were undrafted U- uh, UDFA's that they brought in were guys that a lot of people expected to go in like the sixth and seventh round. So mm-hmm. if they're getting that level of value in the undrafted market, you're getting guys that do want to be Chicago Bears and are ready for the opportunity. And like Quentin said, especially these defensive guys like dude, Jack Sanborn. Yeah. Jack Sanborn's yeah. going to make this team. Who, who embodies the hits principle more than a dude that literally is trying to win a job? Yeah. yeah. Nobody, <laughs> nobody embodies it more than that's exactly where I'm at with it. And honestly, like I'll have, we'll, we'll have to uh, collaborate. I hate to even say that fucking word, <laughs> but we'll have to collaborate oh, after, dude. after the UDFA process is done, see what players they're more serious about. Like, because some of these guys might just be coming in to – because the way I looked at it, you told me to pull up Aaron Lemmings, um, his thing. So His UDFA tracker. Yeah, a lot of these guys are signed, but about a third of them are tryout players. So I don't know – you know, this is this is the true wild, wild west of yeah. this uh, – That's one thing Aaron does part. really well. I've never seen anyone else who differentiates between UDFA signees and tryout players because yeah, there is so, a difference in the money that you're committing to them. So yeah, like the the Jack Sanborns of the world, the Master Teagues, the Landon Lenore, who I'm, I believe his brother Lance plays in the USFL right now. Um, I yeah. love the Sanborn thing. I, those, I mean, those guys are all signed. Um, Tuggle was a tryout. Plitt was a tryout. Uh, and then I don't really know too many of these other guys. I know who Jack Sorensen is. That's just because I'm a matching guy. But yeah, um, can I mention? Can I mention one of them? Uh, one of them's from here, a local guy just outside of Rockford. Uh, Josh Black. He's a defensive lineman. He he went to Syracuse, but he actually has like offers on the table or like interest from the WWE to be a wrestler. 
So he's an athlete. Like this kid's an athlete, and he beat on mute. I don't know if you're trying to talk to me, but um, he's an athlete, man. And I think like given the right situation, he's gonna he's a guy that's gonna bust his ass. And if not, like he's got a backup plan. But I think it's cool that a kid from uh, Harlem High School, right in my backyard, basically. Uh, is getting a tryout. He's not a UDFA signing, but he's getting a tryout at least. So that's pretty cool. I was going to say you're going to have to get his jersey too because I know you got – don't you got the J-Rob jersey? Because J-Rob, you grew I up need with it. Yo, you don't got uh, it yet? Okay. I, I just have up, the For poster. those of you that don't yeah. know, Joey grew up like around, in and around the James Robinson family uh, that's now over with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But with that being said, um, I mean, dude, what, what a fucking weekend, boys. Like, come on, let's clap it up. Let's clap it up. Clap it up. A lot of articles. They gave us a lot more picks than we thought we were going to have. The stream was absolute banana land on Friday. I had a lot of fun. Um, I did not have a lot of fun waking up Saturday morning because I realized how many beers I drank. I think uh, I think I was just more thirsty than anything, and I did not have like the water bottle close enough to me. But I was a little dehydrated in the morning. Um, I went back and watched. I haven't been able to watch the whole stream because I was watching the draft yesterday when I got off of work. But I will go home and watch the rest of the stream tonight. But, I mean, everyone, you guys, a lot, the people that wrote the articles, people that tuned in for the stream, and the people that are hanging with us here on Sunday Funday, it is one of my favorite weekends of the year to participate in as a part of Bears on Tap. And I'm really happy if you were able to join us. But do you guys have any final wrap-up thoughts before we close this episode out? And we're we're on to the to week one now. We're on, I don't know who we're playing, but I'm just saying we're on to Cincinnati, even though we might not be playing Cincinnati. <laughs> no, I, so I you hope we're not playing Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, and I hope not. <laughs> no, like you said, Beat. I think just like now it feels kind of like you know you guys mentioned it on Friday too. Just like this is kind of now the official start of the football season, right? Because yes. now it's it's speculation about who's making the team. It's speculation about position battles in camp. It's speculation now about what this roster is going to look like because this is the last substantial time where they're going to add players, and they might still add guys between now and training camp. You know, through the free agency market, but overall, we have a good idea of what yeah. the group of players in this organization is right now that they're going to pick their 53 man from. So it's only up from here. And we're, we are now the you know, next, next stop for bears on tap is like you said, man, the preseason and week one. So, and I'm going to get this takeoff since Soxtober is canceled. Why can't it be bears Tober? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. I'm sorry if we lost any of our socks. Had to get that one <laughs> Joey, any, any final thoughts, my guy? Well, before the dogs start like going nuts again, because that's what I had to get up and let them outside to do. Um, final thoughts, man. I'm just glad. I like the best player available mentality that they yeah. took while also filling a need in this draft, the first two rounds. Um, and then go get your guy. Like that was the Valus Jones Jr. pick, it felt like. And then like later on with the offensive lineman, it felt that way as well. Um, even though there were some guys that did slip a little bit further than people thought. Um I, I like what the Bears did overall. I know receiver is a little bit scary right now. That kind of feels like the one glaring hole, along with the offensive line, which is like going to be a little bit of a place of development and see if you can get these guys to progress to where you think they can be, traits-wise and, you know, what they show on film. Um, but, you know, all in all, I think this is a really good job by Ryan Poles in his first draft, um, addressing needs while also taking best player available. I'm happy. 
I we'll, think, we'll see we'll see what happens, but I'm happy. I think at the very worst, uh, if we don't get any new receivers before the season, we can just set up like a video series where Ron plays center, you play quarterback, I'll throw my helmet and shoulder pads on, and we'll just we'll get my tape out there for the Bears to see and, and maybe we'll have a new slot receiver come come season time, baby. But you gotta work with Quentin on those stutter yeah, stuff. Quint, so we'll have, we'll yeah. have Quentin behind the camera telling me where I'm <laughs> messing up on my routes and stuff. But but Q, uh Mr. Mr. Draft, do you have what are your final thoughts on this weekend as a whole? Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Manuel Sanders, Jarvis Landry, Cole yeah. Beasley. Will Fuller, John Ross, Albert Wilson, Keelan Cole, or Adam Humphreys. Just yes. anyone on that. One list. or two of those names are coming down <laughs> yeah. some sometime very soon for the Bears. Dude, give me I Will, give me Will Fuller. Receiver in the class. They're signing no, guys. No, stop it, beat on. Put your Humphreys, Notre Dame as Humphreys, on the side. Humphreys, Humphreys. I think I think dude. Keelan Cole is a guy who I I could definitely see. I don't know. That's like, the dude from Hard OBJ Knocks, right? Coming here. I don't know if no. Julio, if you can convince Julio to come here, or if what you're about Debo? Like, what, about like what about Debo or Landry? Do you think we have a realistic chance at those guys? Like, I don't think the like, Debo is Debo. Like, I don't think you're going to give what it what it takes. Yeah, Landry maybe. I bet Landry wants to go ring chasing, but yeah. it's just a question of whether he's going to get the opportunity. Um, I think Keelan Cole's a real name to watch here. Yeah. Uh, Will Watch Fuller that, right? could make sense, but I'm very worried about if you sign his, him, his injury yeah. history, well, his, his steroid, like or uh, PED stuff. PED like, shit, yeah. If you sign Will Fuller, more you know, games. you know, you have to say, you know, you're only getting eight games from him. So, yeah, I mean, that's that is what it is. But you know what, honestly. Of all the people that you mentioned, I think, honestly, the person that I would like the most is Jarvis Landry. And that is because he's a veteran guy. He's a leader. You really saw him take control of that room in Cleveland. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, dude, at that point in your career, you should not have to be a Cleveland Brown. Get up out of town. Go somewhere where you can get a chance to win. And uh, I don't know if that's necessarily Chicago, but we still want you, Jarvis. We still want you. One thing that I do think would be really cool is Fields grew up a huge Falcons fan. If he could, if he could like get together with Julio, that would be really cool. But I don't know if it's realistic to to think that that's even a possibility. Yeah. Well, shit. I uh, I don't want I don't want to get going on the Julio train because you know I'll, <laughs> I'll go all day. I love me some Julio Jones, regardless of uh where he's at in his career, his age, whatever. The guys still came out and performed for Tennessee. And look, they traded both their top, their top two receivers. They traded A.J. Brown uh, to the Eagles in a wild, wild move. But, yeah, um, it was another great, fun, fulfilling weekend of on-tap sports coverage for the Bears. Uh, a lot of people involved. I want to thank Alop. I want to thank P-Bodes. Thank you, Quentin, Joey, Ron, everybody involved. Tony, Johnny, Nani was editing, editing a lot of stuff. I'm sorry for taking a shot at your socks earlier. I know you won't have to edit this, so you might not hear it. But uh, It was a great weekend to be a Bears fan. It was a great weekend to be a part of On Tap. And, and like I said, any of the listeners, we really do appreciate you guys for tuning in to any of our content that we had this weekend. But we are Bears On Tap. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. You can follow the guy right on top of me, Joey Knows Nothing, Mr. Joey Ricotta. Let's get him back on uh, on a heater because I love Joey a lot more when he's my guy on a heater. And uh, 
you know, I love myself too a lot more. Hey, we're gonna get back to it tomorrow. I got you. We'll we'll collab on something. Up in my top left corner, uh, Mr. Do It All, the guy who helped us behind the scenes, and you know, one of our favorite people to get our offensive line takes, just any take in general. Mr. Ron Loose, Mr. Ron Tap Sportsnet at Loose on Tap, and then in the bottom left hand corner, uh, like I said a couple minutes ago, the draft extraordinaire, our guy, someone who put together our on Tap Sportsnet NFL draft guide and. Something that I'm sure he's already putting the uh, the wheels in motion for the 2023 one. One of the hardest working people in the business. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say one of the hardest <laughs> hardest workers in the business. Definitely the hardest worker. Maybe it's definitely between that side of the room, not this side of the room, for the hardest workers. But but we'll we'll me and Joey will be the fun side. You guys will be the work side. We do appreciate everyone for listening to another episode of Bears on Tap. We'll be back with you guys next week. We're trying to lock in a day between the four of us uh, as I will be starting my new job here with the Kane County Cougars next week. But that's neither here nor there. We'll be back consistently with one one show a week until the season starts. And then, you know, you get two of those things, hopefully with at least one winning episode each week. But we'll be back with you guys and bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.